Hello everyone and welcome to This Nintendo Life episode 195. My name is NBZ and I'm once again joined by Bally. Bally, Bally, Bally. Hey Bally, how's it going? I'm feeling, I'm feeling good because, you know, it's nice when you've waited 21 years for mm. a sequel to a game that you're very The original of. game can uh, drink and drive and do whatever the hell it wants now. <laughs> Um, it's now had a son a wee baby son yes, the, uh, the original game is now a grandfather uh-huh. and yes um yeah it's just it's a nice feeling when you think that game is never gonna happen again and you know it, it actually happens yeah it's like uh you know f-zero is dead there's never coming back but maybe maybe they'll do new f-zero x you know or something like that because of course that's what nintendo would call it it's just i mean like... they've stuck it into a game in nintendo land they've done tracks yeah. based on it for mario kart and now it's like yeah it'd be nice if captain falcon as popular as ever in smash brothers you know that knee yes. that falcon knee uh gotta Ooh, love that it. knee uh, but hello, everybody. We're here. Uh, obviously, pretty clear what we're going to be talking about on this episode. But um, yes, uh, we're back to talk about video games and Nintendo and stuff going on uh, in the world. And uh, yeah, Bally, what are we doing? What are we talking about today on today's show? First segment, we're going to talk about the games that we have been playing. Second segment, we've got some of your emails. And the third segment, there's a little bit of news. Um, Nintendo dropped the news on a brand new weird game um called game builder garage that we might have a little talk about and also they dropped some more financials which are phenomenal as ever um so we're going to touch on those as well yeah uh it's um boy i was just thinking about this right of like the man i think the last year they sold like twice the we use lifespan <laughs> just like jesus dude i think animal uh, crossing alone sold like twice the we use like close to triple the we use yeah. we get we're getting there with some of these uh, pieces of work. but we'll talk about that when we get there um let's kick it off bally as you mentioned at the top of the show you uh it's been a long time coming right pokemon snap um you i think was your first n64 game right My first n64 game yes back in i think it must have been 2000 yeah uh and so you have a very special tie to this franchise i mean we both love pokemon of course um but pokemon snap in particular it's one of those games where i think on the wii u we both talked probably a lot on this show about that would be a perfect fit because it's kind of a camera remember with game and wario how they had like that mini game that e3 people were talking about where you know you could turn the gamepad around and it would like view the entire world almost by like Mm. moving it around that kind of had the vibe for me for what pokemon snap could have been on wii u um and yet they didn't do it there they've done it obviously in in a way here which probably will end up being way more successful because it's the switch it's more popular all that stuff but um yeah how how are you feeling um now that pokemon snap has returned and and you've played yeah i I mean i know a lot of people were clamoring on wii u and a system like maybe 3ds or something that they could have changed the formula in some meaningful way but um that original formula having played this game is actually in my view very strong and i like that they kind of stuck to the the system they had before which is essentially a disney ride on tracks with a bit of interactivity and it's really not much more than that it's very basic stuff when you actually break it down but what i always dreamed about for the series more so than any new play controls or anything was more locations more pokemon and i think that this game really delivers on those ideas because the original game 
maybe one of its downsides is that you play through the level and then you play through the level again and the level is exactly the same and there's like eight or nine levels and sure you learn secrets in each of those levels and there's development a bit but you are ultimately playing exactly the same level again i one of my favorite things about this one is the idea is that the levels themselves not just the pokemon level up and evolve evolve uh, exactly and combine that with like nighttime versions of the levels i think it actually gives the game a much more longevity in a way that doesn't feel overly forced and fake um Mm. for me personally but um i i absolutely love it because of that and i think the locations just look fresh and incredible and it's just a really lovely world to be in like this is pokemon looking at its absolute best yeah it's um it definitely puts game freak to shame in some senses right when you look at what another company can do with this franchise visually Um, and that may be unfair to some degree because as of course this game is completely on rails so they have total control of where everything will be what your eye will be able to see and and those types of things Um, and so the limited scope of it right but even then like there are you know parts of modern pokemon games you look at and you're like well i mean this still kind of feels like a 3ds or like a handheld game in a lot of ways and this certainly doesn't right like it feels like a full console experience in terms of the visual uh, aesthetic of it yeah um, totally and so for me it's interesting because i never played pokemon snap you um for my birthday one year sent me on uh, the wii back when you could gift people games digitally Such a feature for which for some reason they just got rid of totally um which all still baffles me it's nintendo they they take away things that were good and then they decide no we're not doing this anymore um and i played a bit of it back in the day i remember taking a screenshot i think of a moltres or something and uh and messaging that to you on on the the WeChat uh function where you could send envelopes to people with <laughs> images in it certainly we've uh, come a long way since then but uh I I didn't really play the whole thing, and I was like, okay, this is this is cool, but I, I didn't really get into it. Um, and so I came into this being like, all right, well, let's see what this Pokemon Snap thing is about. Will I like it? Will I not? Um, and I come out of it, it's okay. I, I think it's good. Um, I'm not, obviously, I don't have the nostalgia tied to it like you do, and so I'm not going to be over the moon uh, for Pokemon Snap. Um, but it was enjoyable. Uh, if a little... <laughs> I think by the end, by kind of like 10 or 11 hours, which I think it took me to finish it, I was kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of done with this, right? I think at the beginning, I I felt the, the pull of, ooh, I should fill out this entire Pokedex, and I should like get all four four-star versions of these Pokemon. Um, and like I was, you know, toying a lot with the photos and like making edits of them and that type of thing and saving them and being like, I'm going to take my time with this and really go through. And eventually I was like, well, there's a lot of these levels. There's a lot of images to take. There's a lot of going through them again. And I didn't really stick to that pattern as I mm. as I continued. I was more like, all right, let's just, let's just get to credits. Like, I'm kind of done with this now. Um, so I don't know how you felt about that um, from your perspective. Yeah, I think they really fixed the biggest issue with the first game, which was there's hardly any levels and they are identical. And this game actually throws way more levels at you, has three, often two to three levels per level. And on top of that, night versions with their own two to three levels. Like if you're counting every level individually, within each level, there's probably like 40, 55 levels. Which variations at the very least. Variations, yeah. um, which is obviously very generous. Um, 
And yeah, if you are someone like Pokemon is a there's a very hardcore community of Pokemon fans. You don't there. say. And if there are people who are like, I have to get every star of every Pokemon. Um, there's loads of secret stuff in this game that I've just been like dipping into YouTube videos after the post game and kind of being like, oh, that's cool. I'm gonna go try that and going right. Back to like the level. I feel, I it's one of those really interesting things where this game feels like such a game of that era in some of these ways where like. Mm the game doesn't really teach you anything the the game sees it fit to spend five minutes teaching you how to throw an apple right <laughs> it's and a yet, very chatty game like my god yeah. it is so chatty there are... but it feels like in the wrong ways because because there are moments where you're like in the game and you're like well i don't really understand how this flute works or i'm not really sure like what do i do to get this pokemon to do something different yeah. like it seems like there are very like secret hidden things that call back to that era of both pokemon and video games where you just kind of had to ask your friends about it or all in this day and age look it up on the internet to find out what is the esoteric bullshit you need to do to get this thing to evolve into a gyarados right yeah. um, it's one of those really cool things um and i will that on a side note evolution is one thing they've taken away from the first game again yeah, that was one of yeah. the best things of the first game that for whatever reason they've just decided nope pokemon aren't going to involve in this game because that was a really cool aspect but what's interesting about the first game was if at the time when you looked something up online there wasn't videos and stuff when you looked up i, like, I remember doing this how do you get muck in the first game and there's like yeah. a specific thing you need to throw the pestible at this grimer and do it like five times and it would turn into a muck and i would read about it uh, but you know you wouldn't fully see how it's done and then so actually going away and doing it yourself there was a real satisfaction to oh that's what like grimer evolving into muck looks like i'll take a picture and that looks really cool and there's like a satisfaction in that mm. i can appreciate that just looking up a video on how to do something and then replicating yourself maybe arguably loses a little bit of that magic but yeah to their credit there are actually very minor spoilers for the end of the game i'm just going to mention for 30 seconds um so warning now okay there are like actual legendaries in this game that are like secrets in the level and there's actually 10 in the whole game which is awesome and wow, I've been, okay i've been going back to levels and getting them so spoiler wise the two that i've gotten so far should i should say their names or shall i just leave it i'll, I'll just leave yeah it. yeah there fine. are 10 legendaries in this game across 10 different levels and there are very specific things you have to do to see them and I was of a mind when I finished the game, like, I'm going to get all 10. Like, and I got the first two and then I was kind of like, yeah, I'm, this is going to be hard. I think I'll do this later. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Kind of okay. Yeah. Cause I was kind of burned on like, not burned. I, I've played about 17 hours of this game. I want to say, wow. Okay. I've done, I've really gone back to the earlier levels and, and gone through like, I managed to get like Heracross fighting pincer and oh. I got some really things just by sheer working it out and throwing pestables not pestables it was illuminable sorry and yeah. you know the fluff root and the your, your flute and working out those things and getting some satisfaction out of that but there is some really intricate stuff here that i just think is so difficult to actually work out that is really going to be rewarding for the people who really want to try and uncover every single last leaf of like a level because there's a lot these levels are dense when it comes to like the number of things you can do and totally. the different poses that pokemon can can do and all that variation seems like such an upgrade for the from the first game which is awesome 
Yeah, in some senses, it's it's really cool that that stuff is in there. I wish it was surfaced a little better. I mean, in some senses, right, you have the request system, which gives you hints towards what you need to do. Right, I, I quite like that, yeah. I've not used it enough, to be honest. Yeah, totally. And I think that pr- probably if I was to go back to it, I would have to like kind of dig into there and be like, oh, okay, this is what I should be looking out for in this area in order to find a thing I wouldn't find otherwise, right? Because on the base path it's it's fun and interesting especially the first time through a level it's exciting because there's so many new pokemon and you're taking as many pictures as possible um but then i feel like if you're trying to figure it all out on your own it gets to a point where you're just replaying the same level again and again and if you don't figure it out nothing new happens and you come out the other side having not gained many experience points and therefore your level up doesn't go as much um and you just kind of keep going in a circle i feel if i was to do that i think that would happen to me basically if i wasn't to look stuff up on the internet which i think is a little frustrating in order to see the really like heracross fighting pincer i didn't see that i don't know how to do that right? right and how do i get that working i don't know maybe i'd go through that level six times and i still don't know how it works <laughs> right um so um I think getting from level one to two is quite straightforward. As long as you yes. take basically a picture of every Pokemon you see, even the obvious ones, more or less you can get from level one to two fairly easily. Or you might be like a few points short and want, need to go back and replay it once. I do yeah. agree that there are some levels getting from level two to level three can be really tricky um, because, yeah, I what, what did I do? Like, I found a way of getting like the Venusaur to... Um, like it has a standoff with the Arbok and then the Arbok scares Venusaur and then Venusaur appears at the end of the level on this like water area in the jungle and you get some really good shots of Venusaur there. So like I was figuring out little things here and there, but there are so many um, secrets that I didn't work out. And I, I like that the game is challenging in that level that you cannot, you can't just play through a level and work it out all first time and i love the hint system that it is kind of you know making it trickier and and hinting hey maybe if you just tried doing this sort of thing or have you seen these tracks that lead to this thing maybe if you threw a fluff fruit you know um Mm. so i like that there is that secret and mystery that makes the world actually feel a bit more alive like it it feels the first game felt like a very rigid disney level this feel as rigid as it is it doesn't as you say disney ride level as as rigid as this game is it does the world does feel a bit more live and there are more it's just because they increase the number of variables to be honest um and totally like yeah like the different levels and the way that you can see different things in different places right like um the jungle i think during the day has the ambipoms and then at night the lipards running across the branch yeah. in the beginning right yeah. um it's like similar animations, but they're changing the Pokemon out. And then you have the hidden things and the trees. And then there's a swampert and like a pond. And it it does make it exciting to get to that next level. There, I think sometimes it's just like, okay, well, how do I get enough points on this area to get to that next part? And I think that might be where the kind of grinding to some degree comes in, which I wouldn't necessarily call it that because it's a very kind of chill game. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things that for me going back to this if i was to and and fill out the pokedex and all that stuff um would be a bit trickier i think Um, Mm, mm. but but still like valuable for the people who who like it and that's the thing right this game really is built i think for a lot of people who grew up with this game and if you didn't i think you'll probably have a bit of a trickier time getting into it um because there's there's simultaneously loads here and also not a lot at all yeah it's, it's um it's definitely both in weird ways yeah uh 
how how do you feel about this new system um of the star ratings and different star rankings and the pokemon um having different poses sometimes i i found it very confusing um but also like it is initially i agree i think it's still confusing by the end of the game i still didn't understand it right like so for example there's a bouffalant in this first level at the end and um i took a picture of it and i took another picture of it and these two pictures back to back uh they look pretty much identical when i go to professor mirror and one of them is three star one of them is two star i have no fucking idea why and and there's no clarity on that the game doesn't tell you and again like this is maybe part of that kind of secret mystery you know element of the game but um yeah it's 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 based just it's basically just stages of of an animation so if an animation happens and you take a picture during the animation there is a a digital point where the animation transitions from a one star to a two star that visually looks the same that's see that would make sense for the one star to two star but this one was the buffalon it was basically just like where it was and one of them was three star and one of them was two star which means neither of them were the default animation but something else was happening and that's that's where i found the trickiest stuff was okay sometimes you'll throw a fluff fruit at a pokemon and it will like that's generally the easiest way to get a two star for the most part two star ones are you threw a fluff fruit fruit at them and they reacted they got hit by it yeah so often those shots for me had a fucking apple in the face of a pokemon as i was taking the shot um or or it could be that they're eating it um and then usually the third or the fourth ones are the ones where it's a little weirder a little more esoteric either it's an animation that you can only get within one small window of time uh, or it's something else i never figured out because um i don't know how much the alumina balls affected it or how much the fluffery affected it or or the music the music was one that i i played a bunch through levels and it never seemed to do anything and um and i i did not once maybe i think once when i went past that machamp in the uh kind of uh, water so level in um, the first game the music was a poker flute and the poker flute obviously links to the games as it's the way of waking up snorlax so it's yes, clearly yeah. the, the thing that you do in those games to wake up pokemon yeah, i don't totally. think they make that clear enough because there's like a slaking that will roll over when you play the the flute and like oh uh, yeah also roll over when you throw if you do the flute and com- uh, with uh, a fluff root throwing at its back it'll like fully turn around and you'll get this traditional like slaking pose so like mm. in terms of the poses and the stars i see i see your flaws with it i also think the upside is that it gives them a lot more scope for these Pokemon to be doing very different things. And then because in the original game, and it's the same with this game, the only images that are saved are the top images that you take and any album, any photo that you manually add to your album. So yes. And I actually like the ability to like slightly adjust them after you've taken them. So one of the first ones I got was a a Swanner. I think this one Pokemon uh, flying past the camera. And what I did was I just like zoomed out a bit, moved it across, centered it and saved it as its own individual image. That obviously didn't get rated, um, but you can go and reframe an image by zooming out further and and repositioning um, Um, before you save it. So, so the fact that it will automatically save four different poses of a Pokemon regardless of if you save any to the album like i barely save any images to the album i just keep the best ones that are you know point scorers or whatever i don't really care about saving other ones otherwise yeah i like that you can then look back at your album and be like oh yeah that's that's that same pokemon you know like slaking in four different poses that's really cool um 
and i like that yeah and theoretically i think it's cool when you get really good photos of all those moments there's also times of like i don't know this looks like a pokemon that's really far away and you can barely see it but it's a three star so that's the one i chose on my pass through the level right and that's i think i like this idea and concept in execution it feels like padding because they only let you choose one image per pokemon per run which makes it so that if you have a great run where you've got a one-star, a two-star, and a three-star of a Pokemon within that same level, tough luck, buddy. You're going to have to choose one of them. And maybe one yeah. of them was really hard to get and tricky and you didn't quite know how you got it. Oftentimes, it would happen where I was like, I got a three-star for this Pokemon. I have no idea why. I don't really know what the animation trigger was or what the reason for this being a three-star was, but I know that a three-star will be harder for me to get than a regular one-star, so I'm just going to choose that one. I, I and... hear you, but I think you're over gamifying it like the whole point of the game is i to mean it's a video game and sure they are going for high scores but yeah they just want you to replay these levels as much as possible and, yes exactly and enjoy the chill vibes of being in the pokemon world and yeah my, sure. my point from that is like you don't need to make the player play through them as much as possible because i think there is enough stuff here right like i i would if you want to beat the game you don't have to your 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 gripe with it is that you wanted a one star two star three star on one run and the game saying yeah. yeah we're giving you that you can replay the level if you want one star two star three star if you're just here to beat the game you don't need them. yeah i i i kind of want the thing is the i think i would world. i would have been no i would have been more willing to fill out the entire pokedex had i been able to do that right like and i would have given the game more time and would have been more invested in doing it had i been able to be like oh i only need to get this one more image for this pokemon so i'll go and do right. that right i agree but you're gonna have to be replaying the levels in any case to level up the level of course you are but I, but i think there's a degree to which that meganium level that you have to play that four times right to get four different images um, and you do get a speed up later on and you do get the ability to once you've taken an image you can quit out the level and go to the mm -hmm, professor straight mm -hmm. away so that is good that that's definitely there for you um but especially in those like illumina pokemon levels you have one image for one pokemon every run through and so First, you've got to figure out all four things, making sure that you get the, the one, the final one especially was a fucking nightmare to get in the first place, right? To get even one or two images of that final one. Um, and, and yeah. It, I found the second last one harder than the final one. Oh, well, yeah, I, I, I think we're talking about the same one, actually. Okay. I'm not talking about the last, last oh, one. Oh, fair I'm enough, fair the, enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You okay. know what I mean. Um, and, and so yeah that, that's kind of where i'm at with it is like i i look i, I like this game a good deal i think it's it's really cool uh i just think it doesn't it, it trips over itself in certain places um for me personally where i i totally see where it will not be an issue for other people and and i said on twitter <laughs> pokemon snap kind of a roguelike right like in in some ways uh you know there is more it's more roguelite because it, there's permanent progression in terms of photos you take and areas you unlock and xp you gain but fundamentally it's a game about playing through the same spaces again and again and they change and you'll mm. have different experiences but it's kind of about doing the same thing again and again yeah it, um, it's weird because it's, it's one of those games that has two very it's almost two games in one where on one hand it's let's get snaps of every single pokemon and on the other hand they've got this um for a pokemon story like it's a fine story it's a decent story it's fine like it's that's it's cool that they've actually done like a little thing that links like ruins to the overall meaning of illumina these islands and on all that like i i for the set game world of pokemon i thought that worked fine for this game and feels like a nice step up from the first game 
so it's like this little story driven thing on one hand and then on the other hand it's just a a very roguish you know let's replay these levels loads finding every single secret and you know catching them all gotta catch them all right so yeah it's kind of both those in one a bit like a pokemon game is where you've got the story but you've also got the wider aim of catching every single pokemon i think it does a good job of appealing to both those audiences yeah and then there's real satisfaction in like nailing an image that is like perfectly centered and really like the pokemon is in yeah. frame and... and how cute are some of these pokemon like the oh, animations yeah. and the like... i love just the first level with pichu and grookey just running around the whole time oh my and God. Yeah. You know, chasing after each other and just being scamps um that stuff is great like the bidoofs that go down the river holding the the logs in their mouth there's um there's a lot of character i think that you don't normally get in a pokemon game from this iteration of it where mm. you like the idea of pokemon the, the the notion that they live in the wild and you can go out and, and see them in their habitat and capture them that's always the kind of meta kind of dream of the rpg series that's never really delivered on because you run through a piece of grass that then flashes to a battle screen and so there's not that kind of physical grounded in the world's thing that maybe this new arceus game will be potentially um that's exciting to think about this is definitely the closest thing until then totally yeah and that's that's the really nice thing about it is you see them interacting in the wild like animals right like and that is kind of the base uh idea of what pokemon were to begin with is like they're these animals who also have like superpowers that you can send out and fight each other with which i know the whole concept of pokemon i think at this point in time is "Mm," it's like cage fighting with animals and stuff like that is a little weird but uh you know it's a fancy land it's fancy people whatever um i i do think it nails that aspect which is wow look at these beautiful places and yeah. here are these pokemon they're underwater they're flying you know they are they're kind of just living life out there you know wherever you are um yeah and i i think that the game does a great job of portraying kind of in a quote-unquote realistic way which they would behave um, it's a it's a world. very believable world even as fantasy as it is and i think yeah it just looks so like some of them are so cute but that spectacular moment when there was one in the desert where i was like lobbing things into this um sandstorm thing like tornado and eventually like a flygon just comes out and just starts flying yeah it's like wow gee like and you're like snapping like those moments combined with how cute some of the little ones are i think it just does a really good job of the spectacular big Pokemon, the reveals, um, which I don't think I've got a ton of, but certainly looking online, there's loads out there that I want to kind of hopefully delve in a bit deeper later in the year. Because uh, I, I, like I said, seven, I'm 17 hours in, I've done a lot of runs and I'm, because I was just constantly picking up this game for like a run here, a run there, because every run is like three minutes, four minutes long, maybe. Yeah, they're, they're pretty short. Yeah. It does a really good job. I found this game incredibly easy and nice to just pick up and play get some photos and then put my switch in sleep mode again and come back later so yeah i i was yeah. very pleased overall like i think caroline has seen me play this game and is now like can i try this game and i'm like oh, yeah, okay fine. i'm done nice. with it for now so yeah go for it yeah. you know so i think That's she's cool. gonna give it a go yeah i i found it hard to pick up personally um i don't know why i think really yeah and i don't know why it was it was it was i kind of was playing it for the show more than my own enjoyment in some <laughs> senses of like i gotta finish this by the time we we talk about it and like that's not to say i didn't like it or didn't enjoy it because i had a good time with it but i think once i got to like the four or five hour mark i was like okay i this is the game i i know this is the game and i just need to finish it now and get through the other areas and and 
and get to the end of it and yeah that's that's not like a i don't want to like say that that's a, a critique of the game itself it's more a critique of myself and and how i feel about like it, for me it's not it's not my type of game necessarily mm. um, and that's totally fine because i think it's it's really well done and really well made um but it just doesn't i don't think it connects with me in the same way that it does with someone like you who um yeah. grew up with it and um and really enjoyed it it's doing a very specific thing like it, yeah it's doing a very unique thing arguably in like the wider video game sphere as it were like it's 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 a very dated style of game and you know yeah 100 percent. there's one um, series that's going to do something that's a bit dated but it's still going to sell gangbusters it's definitely pokemon um yeah and look man people with nintendo so often we hear like nintendo being like well we need new ideas to make this uh next game like we can't do an f-zero until we have a really good bold new idea and the fans are screaming like just fucking make gx and put it online right like just that's all people want is like just do the thing you did before because we haven't had one and Nintendo, to their credit, with this, that's what they did. Yeah. They're like, okay, we just new Pokemon, new locations, same formula, and yeah, yeah it's what I think. People who like Pokemon Snap are really loving this game. I think there's plenty of people who are coming to to Pokemon Snap new, saying like, yeah, this isn't for me. Um, yeah, and that's kind of what I expected with this game. Like, I think it's what like low 80s Metacritic or something. Like, it's yeah, that's kind of what so I expected. Well. And I think that's a really good result for what they're going for. Um, Although I'd still have to say this game is probably a one out of ten because I've not found Dragonite yet. <laughs> oh well, there we go. Like, you can't. It's just not good enough. Uh, I could be wrong. Yeah, you might be there. I don't know. I think I've heard it's in the range of two hundred and something Pokemon in this game overall. I believe I'm. It's two hundred and twenty. I want to say, and I think I'm okay. on one hundred and eighty. So I'm like, oh wow, that... even you still have quite a few left to find in that case. Yeah, That's, yeah. Um, It definitely seems like yeah. These these um, areas are dense with stuff uh even if it isn't obvious on the surface like on the first playthrough you might be like well i think i saw everything there um <laughs> and and you totally didn't right because there are yeah things up above you and, and that's kind of um, when that level three unlocks it's like especially in that, that jungle area you can just noticeably going in at level one you're like where is everything and level three it's like jumping out of the trees coming in your yeah <laughs> right at you in the, your uh, face did you find any need to go back to the previous levels of a game like once you know to go back to level one was there any reason to do so um yeah or, i was or... i was when you say reason to do so do you mean to progress the game or for my own interest or... no to like to get for example is there pokemon in like the first level of an area that don't appear in the second level or the third area like, oh is there is got... there a certain is there a certain pose that you can only find in this one level of this one area is what um, I mean. there might be i've not found a good example yet and i be confident that the game's probably set up so that you can get a one two three four star all within the one level of the final level you know like level three yeah like i'm, I'm pretty confident they'll set it up that way but i don't know yeah that's what i would hope because it feels i don't know maybe a bit weird to go back to that level one off because level one does feel for most of these levels to be just like introductory and like getting you used to the space and where you're going to go through and of course these um these areas do have branching pathways which i think the scan is another interesting thing we haven't really talked about that i, mm. I wish it was a little less finickety because sometimes i'm like holding the x button but you're still moving and so like it moves out and it's like, okay but move it slightly back to the central area to to scan something and i didn't really understand the scanning sometimes like should i take a picture of something i've scanned or is it just for flavor text and then sometimes the scan is to to change your route um and so you move through a different area um again like just some of the nuts and bolts of the actual playing of the game 
obvious stuff is just like explained to you and then not obvious stuff is not which yeah. is a little yeah. frustrating in some senses um yeah but uh yeah it's uh it, it definitely it, it's one of those games even though i finished it now there is like more so than other stuff a, a, a sense that i probably should go back to it and and check out some of these other things i haven't seen yet because really the delight of this for me was the first time seeing something right of like yeah oh it's that pokemon oh yes it's yeah. fucking yan mega in the jungle right yeah. like shout yeah. out to boost bug right that's my that's my shit um so seeing pokemon for the first time it's it's kind of the magic of what i liked about sword and shield was i didn't follow any of the leaks or any of the stuff leading up to that game and i was like i don't know any of the pokemon i'm going in blind best thing about that game was going in blind because you just see stuff you've never seen before and it's like that's the delight of pokemon um you know as someone who doesn't find any joy in the actual rpg mechanics anymore because i've seen through the matrix and like having done competitive pokemon it just doesn't there's nothing interesting about it Um, to the game's credit, like I think marketing wise, they've definitely shown a lot of that first level and arguably maybe the second or third level. But beyond that, I think the marketing's been really clean of like there's a lot of levels and Pokemon in this game that has been nowhere near the marketing, and that's yeah really nice to see. In because that's arguably that thing like these when these games come out, they want to showcase their game as almost as much as possible to get you to buy it. And you could argue that that's quite easy to do with Pokemon. They could show some end game pokemon and spoil it but really i think the game's done a really good job of just saying hey this is the first level there's some cute pokemon here's some spectacular pokemon you know if you if you're not buying it from this marketing that's fine but this is what we want to show so far but we've got a lot more that we're hiding basically um that i still think the trailers do a good job of kind of suggesting things here and there without revealing the big ones yeah, definitely. Uh, I I prefer that restrained approach uh, in many ways because it leaves a lot for people to discover, and that's that's great. And there's still lots to discover. I've I've been seeing Sarabi, um Joe on Twitter being like, "Hey, man, like we still don't know everything about this." I'm trying to like update. Like, my, I I feel bad for that guy every time a new Pokemon game comes out because everyone is shouting at him, and he's like, "Look, I'm one man. I'm trying to figure out I've, the fucking I've, everything going yeah, on in this." I've read thing. a couple of guides just to get some hints on some other big pokemon in the earlier levels and the guides are written in like we tried it on this run and we threw the alumina ball and it did this thing and we think maybe it did this but we're not sure that's kind of the thing though right like with the star rating it's so it's it's quite difficult to break down it's hard to like because the star ratings don't equate to do this thing for every pokemon some star rating for a number two will be the pokemon eating an apple a star rating for a different pokemon will be it being hit with it but then another one will be it eating and it's yeah it's it's a little um i don't know it's just not that, that's kind of the clarity i would kind of like maybe even what would be nice is not telling you up front but maybe after you've taken the photo maybe a little description of that what the star rating is of like okay you got this one because this was the thing that w- the pokemon was doing right or like this was the type of animation so that next time if you want to improve on that photo like this is the tricky part for me of like I don't even know how I got that three-star photo. So how do I yeah. know, first of all, how to trigger it and then focus on getting a three-star photo that actually looks good that I think is going to be really great for my collection? Uh, and I think the long-term players of this game are going to be the people who want to get everything, yes, but then make their album look really nice, like have photos that they are really proud of yeah. and they, they want to have as the one that they show, yeah. if you know what and, I mean. And I've already been back and looked at like my best scores best Pokemon. i'm really chuffed you know like i think there's some really nice pictures in there um, yeah and sure i have sunk quite a lot of time into this game but like yeah i don't think i'm ever going to get 
you know four stars of all all the different pokemon but like i'm very happy with what i've got and i think the game does a good job of you know offering different levels of you know scope for what different people want although of course there will just be so many pokemon fans who want four stars on every single pokemon um, yeah and that's hard to do very hard to do it's tricky yeah it's definitely it's a game with a kind of low skill um uh, floor i should say and a high ceiling in some senses right you, you definitely yeah. um can get a lot better and and uh you unlock like a kind of uh, multi-shutter thing at the end where you can like take multiple ones in one you can i've got it now and you can arrange it to do three shots or like six shots or even oh really like okay nine shots yeah yeah and i think generally the the number they give you is like 70 or 60 or something number of photos you yeah. can yeah take per per run and that, that tended to be pretty good like by the end i was like oh shit i am actually reaching the end of my my reel here because i'm just snapping everything possible yeah. and like doing as many as, as you can and you kind of get in the practice by the end of just like a just to like get that perfect uh centered one that you will then eventually pre- present to the professor mm. um and yeah the scoring system is weird I, again it's it's um it's kind of arbitrary it's one of those things that i was talking about this when i was streaming the game um and like art is so subjective uh, and photography is an art in many ways and so something that is stylistic that maybe has a pokemon far off in the distance but is like beautiful and perfect it's going to score less than a braviary like right in your fucking face right and and but i think the game thematically is all it's about research and science more than art yeah. and photography and in that sense it relates huh. better to the scoring system which is basically we want it as large as possible facing the camera yeah we want the whole pokemon and if it's doing something interesting then obviously you'll get more points so that's yeah that's a really good point i didn't think about that but um yeah i like that i mean that that makes sense logically uh but i guess as a person who is artistic and creative in in senses of like they should have like art mode or something yeah um but but even then right like an algorithm a a uh, a computer can never determine at least at our current point in time like and that's the other thing is like even if you had another human, you know, uh, making a judgment on a piece of art, like everyone right. sees things differently, right? So like, yeah. you can't, there's no scoring art, right? There's, you can't you can't put numbers on it for the most part. So um, it's it's a little, in, in my head, it was a little bit of a, a, a weird juxtaposition, but that's fine. Um, it's, they've gamified it in a way that works. And I and I, mm. I think it's, it's good and it is satisfying when you get that big kind of clear, because the, the character models are so nice and, and full and like rounded in senses, like the Quagsire and, and all those type yeah. of uh, Pokemon. So- really like these are living monsters that just look yeah and are animated well and it's it's very good to see yeah beautiful animations um some great stuff going on in here so um yeah do you think bali before the end of the year you'll keep coming back to this game sounds like you're uh you're you're still pretty into it yeah i'd quite like to get all the legendaries some of them are pretty tricky um but yeah we'll see great um yeah i did the other thing i will say is my favorite thing probably about this game is the fucking uh photo mode editing uh situation where you can put <laughs> these dumb stickers on things and uh, uh i had one of mine pop off a little bit i think i got like four, 400 likes or something oh, on um yeah. a hoot hoot that is in the rain uh with a top hat a bow tie and is holding an umbrella and an ice cream uh <laughs> and that was fun uh so you can definitely like as someone who has done a lot of photoshop editing in the last year or so uh obviously this it's not at that level but i was kind of surprised of like oh you can actually like order these in terms of like layer what layer comes in front of another layer um and there's a good amount of like size options and adjustment options uh it was it was a pretty fun thing to mess around with at the beginning of the game i never really went back and did more of it than i did right at the start um but yeah it was it was neat it was fun putting a, a 
a fucking baseball cap and sunglasses on a quagsire and making him look at a giant cake uh, that was great you know um so fun things that you can share i haven't actually weirdly i thought i would see a lot more sharing of pictures on social media haven't seen that many uh, and i wonder why that is maybe it is um, one of those things where because you are on rails the, the good photos i think a lot of people might have the same good photos you know because of the way that works yes um, yes that's definitely an issue for sure yeah but hey good game enjoyed it uh cool stuff pokemon snap go check it out i'm sure everyone uh, who listens to this is probably playing it or has played it at this point but um there are our thoughts on the game uh, i played one more thing uh it's called say no more uh with an exclamation mark after no um which is a small game uh that is uh i don't know how to describe it it's basically uh it's it's almost like an on rails narrative game where you don't really do much except for press one button which is to say no to people just like pokemon um, snap just, just, just like Pokemon game. Snap. It's, it's kind of, I would call it like a comedy adventure game. Uh, I think it is published by Thunderful, who are the combination of Zoink games and um, Image and Form. Image and Form and Zoink, I believe, formed a super publisher called Thunderful, and they are now publishing a bunch of stuff. I'm not sure who made this, but they, anyway, uh, it's, it's, a whole, it's a whole thing. I think they're both based somewhere in Europe, uh, one of those uh, places. I can't remember. Anyway um sweden finland wherever these places we always talk about in the past of the indie developers who are like the kind of norway <laughs> finland uh you know crew who you know, people making tesla grad yes. and trying and all that stuff yeah. um but yes thunderful big publisher now um doing some good work and uh, i got a review code for this on switch and it is yeah you play as an intern uh who joins a big company big corporation and you at the beginning can't really like say no to anything the, the the idea behind this culture of this corporation is everyone like overworks and all they do is work and no it's it, you can't say no to anything that's a bad thing you must say yes when your superior tells you get you tea you go get it when you are told to do all the printing you have to go and do it um and so it is like a light critique of corporations and capitalism in the sense of like hey we probably shouldn't be doing all this overworking and and uh you know um being our jobs as our lives and those types of things and you this weird like magical um tape recorder falls down at your desk and you put it on your headphones and it's this guy who's like this motivational guy who's like hey i'm gonna teach you to say no uh and so the game is about you saying no to people as you walk through these offices um and these weird crazy situations happen you chase after this uh ceo and you're like getting past all these workers who get in your way and you just say no to them and uh the fun actually the really funny thing is at the beginning of the game it gives you a language choice uh to, to say no in and this doesn't you know dictate the language of the dialogue or anything like that because it's all in english it's all a lot of it is like um i don't know where to place the accent but they are all clearly like european accent speaking right. english um, but they're very funny and 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 quite um, charming stuff but to say the word no you can choose what language you say it in and so i chose hindi and so i was saying nay every time when when i was being assaulted by these people which i thought was really fun and it has the hindi word for it like written um as, as opposed to just saying no on a lot of these like loading screens and things like that and i was like this is unique and different and i really appreciated <laughs> that because i hear that all the time just you know casually being around an indian family um i say it myself a bunch um so that was unique uh, but you are yeah this intern who 
basically just goes on this little adventure of you know teaching your co-workers that hey we should say no more and, and that type of thing and they add slight mechanics to it where it's like here's a lazy no so you're like no or here's a no which is like no sharp and cold and here's a no that's like no it's like removed kind of the way in which you say it the um the you can charge it up so you like hold down the button and it charges up to like a like a big boom saying no but from what i found a lot of that stuff is just for flavor because there's not a lot of failure involved there's no failure state really there's no way in which you can really lose um if you if you are in a situation where you're like having a kind of mini boss fight as it was like saying no against somebody you just keep doing it until you finish it um and so there's no like puzzle involved of like oh this person is this thing and that thing therefore i need to do a lazy no which is also this there's none of that so there's no reason for you to really switch things up aside from flavor um which i thought was a little weird because i thought they could gamify it a little bit more um but i guess the reason they didn't was because they wanted to make it quite a simple thing that they're kind of telling their story getting along with it and um and yeah for the most part it, it's pretty neat uh it has you know no butting uh biting i should say critique or anything like that but it is very much lightly saying hey how about we all just kind of uh you know leave early and don't work anymore and, and uh, uh don't deal with any of the, this bullshit that modern life um you know so often kind of crushes people with especially in corporate work environments and places like that so um anyway it's very cartoony um very colorful it's short and really short couple of hours uh didn't take me long to get through but um yeah if you want something that is very very light mechanically and has some goofy writing with a little bit of uh you know critique in there that's uh say no more uh so we should all say no more to things um so that uh the world can be a better place right uh and so we're gonna say no to you right now because uh you have to listen uh to this musical break before you can listen to the next segment of the show uh, so don't go anywhere we'll be back right after this with your emails see you in a bit
Hello folks, welcome back to part two of today's show. It is time again for emails and it's also the time the well has gone dry. MBZ, we're putting out the call. It's really happened this time though. It's, it's really actually, happened. This it's, happens it's, every now dreamt. and then. The well yeah. gets dry and we're just like, we need some more emails. You know, there's a yes. lot been going on. We've had our backlog club. That all went well. That was good fun. But now the, we need to return to emails and we need some more. So if you have an email, a comment, a question, please email thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That is thisnintendolife at gmail.com. We really need them this time, guys. So we hugely appreciate it. The show it. will die without them, clearly. It's it's like, you know, when you uh, wish on a fairy or so, or you don't believe in fairies and they die. That's that's what happens with this show, with emails. <laughs> I think that's an analogy. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. You know, if, you're, if you're out in a run or something and you're listening and you're like, oh, I'll, I'll write an email when I get back. It's just like, make sure you write it when you get back. You know, like <laughs> I think James Jones said, if that email's just sitting in your drafts and you're about to send and you thought it was a bit, a bit you know, a bit below the belt or something just send it anyway so if it's in your drafts send us that email anyway yeah. we want to we want to hear it um you can also post a comment a question in our discord server uh link to that in the show notes also on our twitter account you can join the community there's a thread in there called emails post in there which you should appreciate it so our first email this week is from sable who says hey guys sable again today my questions are how do you feel about 3d land it's been getting some well-deserved attention lately and is also my first mario platformer ever i first got it when i was like seven back in 2011 or 2012 now i'm 15 and in high school and i still love and play this game that's got to be a testament to how fun it is right not not that it's objectively the best ever platformer of mario but it's just got something special to it a certain kind of magic i guess especially since Nintendo designed it as a 3D Mario game that plays like a 2D Mario game. My next question is, how would you feel about a redesign to the Switch game cartridge box? Making it bigger, putting manuals back in, small posters, stickers, etc. Personally, I would love to see this. All right. Um, well, first of all, giving me a heart attack here, saying that you were seven when 3D Land came out. And, you're, uh, you know, because uh, I was at university when 3D Land came out, and now I want to shrivel up into a ball and die. Um... But yeah, 3D Land, I, you know, I am a, a big advocate of 3D Land. It is my favorite 3D Mario, um, all said and done. And I think a lot of it comes down to it was primarily designed as a handheld game. And Nintendo did this a lot in the 3DS era where, and I mean, previous to this as well on DS, like I think part of the reason Sony struggled somewhat with PlayStation Portable and, and with Vita um, to different extents was they were making games that were more console-like experiences and and therefore harder to kind of pick up and play on a handheld and of course nintendo is kind of doing that themselves now with the switch but the fact that you can go between the two is is certainly helps a lot of people who want to play their big things on the tv and, and the small things on the the handheld um but 3d land was really a portable mario game in every sense like the levels were short and bite-sized you can get in get out um it was designed in a way that took advantage for the 3d in a way that nothing else on the system really did um there's definitely games that we both love and look fantastic with that turned on but um for the most part yeah it, it was the game that stood uh, stood out when it came to that um and uh and yeah i i would love to go back and play it sometime soon because it has been a 
I think a decade now, right? It came out in 2011. So it's, in <laughs> it's going to be a decade around September, I think, is when yeah. it came out or, or November time. I remember that day so fondly because 3D Land and Skyward Sword came out on the same day. And I went downstairs um, at uni to the, the place where our mail got sent to. And I picked up my package and it was both of them in one package from Amazon. And I was oh, I was so happy. I was thrilled. Uh, <laughs> and I played Skyward Sword loads and uh, played 3D Land loads. So that's very fond memory. I have of those games uh, at that time. Um, Bally, how, how do you feel about 3D Land, its legacy, uh, and, and how it's been viewed? It really is the most unique out of all the 3D Marios. Like, 3D World, as much as it plays with that initial style, and it is still quite a linear game, it's just, it's not quite as tight and linear. It is still more kind of, the levels feel a bit wider, and it's obviously designed a bit more for the four player kind of thing. So, it does feel like quite a distinctive game, as much as I love 3D World more than 3D Land. However, I'd, I'd love Nintendo to return to doing something 3D Land related. You know, for a while, Nintendo practically turned the, the 2D Mario, New Super Mario Brothers, into like this annualized series, and there were like four of them in the space of about five or six years. Yeah. I'd love it if they just decided, right, we're going to make a new 3D Land series. Uh, it's going to be these tight controlling levels and we're just going to use the mario odyssey engine and they're going to come it's going to be one come out every couple of years on the switch until the end of the switch's life cycle i'd like absolutely love that just a, a pack full of levels and still include you know the flags and just make these s- solid tight linear levels uh, that are based in that 3d land mold that doesn't have to go into the big mario odyssey open world and i'm sure we'll still get a mario odyssey op- uh, mario odyssey 2 but just to do something that tight and that is so focused, um, as much as I think there are kind of 3D land style levels within Odyssey, there's very few of them and perhaps some of them are more later in the game. But just like a whole game based around that linear design, I think would be awesome in the Odyssey engine. Like just get give us that movement, uh, give us the cap, you know, we, I'd love yeah. that in 3D land. I do wonder like to what extent do Nintendo feel like they are not beholden but because the switch is a more powerful platform and they aren't restricted in the same way as they were with 3ds whether these types of games um are valuable for them to go back and make again right and and we have seen them go back to 2d zelda in some sense with the Link's awakening remake but that's a remake and and so i don't count it in the same vein as something like a brand new game right um, we've not seen nintendo go for a handheld style new game in the since the launch of the switch arguably or like can you think of any good examples yeah i I I don't think there is one really, um, and if and if it is, then it's a port like Sushi Striker, right? Which was originally made for 3DS, but right, then they put right. it on Switch as well. Um, and you think about like where is 2D Metroid, right? Are they working on another one of those? Are they working on an original 2D Zelda? And and with 3D World now being ported to the Switch, does that devalue? a 3d yeah. land style game even, in the eyes of people you know even new super mario bros as a port like they've not done an original yes. 2d mario sure there's mario maker but that's right. hard to argue that that's like a handheld designed kind of game because of all the yeah. maker aspects so yeah totally yeah. Um, I, it's very interesting we are now four years into the life cycle of the switch and not had a new handheld style focused game arguably um do write in if you have any ideas that we've, we've missed any yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to think um of, of the stuff but you're right like it has been ports from other platforms um ports and have, yeah. yeah yeah have kind of done that uh, and i guess like when you think about it 
you know the new super mario brothers series was on console as well as on handheld so that is one that you know i could very much foresee them doing another 2d but that's also just because 2d mario sells so ridiculously well even the port from wii u is over 10 million units now as we will uh, discuss later in the show um so it's absurd It, it it's definitely a well that they can mine um and you know, they're definitely always looking to port new things um, to the system, especially now that they're putting Metopia on for some godforsaken reason. Like, man, I am... I'll talk about this at some point on the show when I when I finish it, but I've been playing Ever Oasis, and um, I'm like, fuck, dude, this game... This this would be so much better as a Switch game uh, to be ported than Metopia, right? Like, I look at Metopia, and I'm like, this is stupid. Why are they doing this? Ever Oasis is actually a good video game, and I think... Yeah, man, it would be great if they put that on the system, but it doesn't look like uh, they are at the moment, so we'll see. Um, but uh, but yeah, I love 3D Land. I'll continue to advocate for it, and I think um, it'd be a good one to revisit at some point because it has been, you know, when it, when it comes around to November, it'll be a decade, and it's a long time, uh, and that, make, again, makes me feel extremely very old. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so. well, here's one that'll make you feel even older, MBZ. Uh, What's your yes. views on putting manuals back into the boxes and changing Switch boxes, Switch cartridge boxes? Switch cartridge boxes. It's kind of wild, isn't it? Because Switch cartridge boxes are an absurd waste of plastic. When you think <laughs> about the size of the cartridge and the fact that there is nothing else in that box except for the cartridge. I remember when I was younger telling my grandmother, like, this is a Game Boy Advance cartridge. And uh-huh. she's like, how much did you spend on that and i said like 35 pounds she's like 35 pounds for that little chunk of plastic <laughs> she just assumed like it was just a, it was just um, a bit of plastic yeah, yeah that you were not going to do anything with right um yeah she'd be i mean horrified at this point with switch cartridges oh, God, right because yeah. uh, you can practically pop those in your mouth and swallow them i also want to say to sable like i'm pretty sure in 2011 when yeah you know like mario 3d land came out that we were already beyond um you know manuals and manuals stuff and boxes yeah. but i guess i could i must be wrong on that i feel like 3ds games still had manuals but maybe they were like lighter and, and not as in depth um as as they kind of were back in the day because i certainly remember you know coming home from game or whatever with a new gamecube um game and, and opening it before you get home and you're in the car and you're looking through the manual and the manual has screenshots of what you're about to play and it shows you like what all the buttons do and you had to like learn the buttons and it was you know it, my dad still does this right with whenever you're like uh getting some new piece of technology but he's always like read the manual because that's what you did uh back in the day for like tvs and all these types of things of like you've got to read the manual to find out what to do hmm. and these days you just don't need to do that anymore but if um, also if you do read the manuals these days i swear the quality of explanation in manuals has plummeted off a cliff they are just yeah. like this legalese almost just covering their asses kind of thing now whereas before i think like what what your dad's ethos is it was genuinely very useful to read the manual and find out how to put the thing together now it's like yeah it's just well first of all it's in like eight different languages and it's just uh-huh. yeah, it's really badly written normally yeah totally and um yeah and th- there was a there was definitely a pizzazz to a video game manual it was almost like a mini magazine to some degree right of 
especially Nintendo ones, they were like full of color. And I remember the Metro Prime 2 one especially was like, oh, there's loads of screenshots here of like later parts of the game and showed you all the power-ups you were going to get. It almost was a spoiler thing, to be honest with you, because back then no one fucking gave a shit about spoilers. Um, And so like seeing what all the power-ups would be in this game you were going to play through um, was kind of like a more of an excitement builder than than kind of people being worried about being spoiled by anything so it was like oh yeah here's the last beam in the game you get and here are some of the bosses that you will fight uh and it's kind of like wow um we have certainly turned a corner on that as a society generally uh, when it comes to those types of things and even this point in time video game marketing is like yeah we we're only showing you this one part of this game and you know you're not allowed to talk about this, this is embargoed um and i does PS5 games come with any sort of stuff in the box, Bally, at this point in time? Because um, I don't think PS4 games um, did. Uh, no, really. no. It's yeah. just a disc and maybe like one a, pro- a single piece of promotional paper or something. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, it's weird because I think Switch boxes, do they still have the clips on the left-hand side of the box to hold stuff? Because I feel like those are there and yet they're never used. There's never actually any piece of paper inside a switch box at this point in time. I feel like, okay, MBZ, I have gone and gotten a P- my PS5 box for Spider-Man Miles Morales and okay. my Zelda Breath of the Wild switch case. Two and perfect examples. I must say that the switch box has no clips on no the left side when you open. Nope. Damn. All right. Um, it does have clips on the right-hand side, and I have a single sheet in French, because I got my switch in Belgium. Yes, yeah. Um, with some french that i can't read um it's okay. like health and safety i believe does that seem like it would have come from the shop you bought it at though rather than it being no or... it's got a nintendo no. logo on the back okay and like a, a code and stuff interesting um, okay and then yeah and the, my ps5 box does have two clips on the left um, yes and then it was just the only thing in there was again like the legal single Document. sheet a bit like breath of the wild yeah and then i had a code for like uh spider-man remastered which came right. with the disc obviously so that makes sense yeah so not really any um proper manuals going on there and i think like when sable is mentioning things like small posters stickers and stuff that at this point in time has really been relegated to like special edition versions of games right like when i am um... yeah, like amazon will wrap it into stuff sometimes like i got luigi's mansion stickers yes. with three and like you got some pokemon snap stuff right I did, yeah. Pokemon Snap, they gave me a poster and I also got a bunch of um, stickers that you can put on things. Uh, so it it depends on the retailer, I guess, at this point, where they have like their own special things that they add um, for pre-order bonuses. But you also get special edition things like I got with Fire Emblem, which was the art book and the poster and, you know, um, music soundtrack and those types of things uh, all get rolled in. But regular stuff uh, not so much these days although i don't know i feel like especially if you do pre-order things from certain places there is a tendency to give you a lot of tat with it um and frankly i do view it as tat I'm, I'm not i don't really need any of this shit but it comes and i'm like okay fine maybe i'll figure out a way to you know use this sticker on something but i tend to not like putting stickers on things i did that with my original ds and it just looks Regrets. like a garbage Regrets. garbage mess Sticking now marks. right yeah stick marks everywhere it's just um is a bit of a nightmare uh, generally, so I've I've never been one to go down that avenue. But um, you know, when I bought Cyberpunk, which I still haven't played because it was a fucking disaster and my computer couldn't run it, I got a literal physical version which had no CD, obviously, because discs you don't do anymore. But it had a bunch of like temporary tattoos and like stickers and that type of nonsense that you know 
it comes with whatever physical version you buy on pc these days because why else do you buy physical on pc i mean i bought it because it was the cheapest thing i could find it was cheaper for them to ship me this whole fucking cardboard box with all this shit in it than to just send me a code via email so go figure right like bizarre, uh, bizarre. when you said um cyberpunk temporary tattoos it made me think I'm sure there must have been a good number of fans in the build-up to that game who uh-huh. have got legitimate tattoos. Who got legit who, tattoos, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 100% without knowing what would happen to that game. Yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, yes. Uh, thanks, Sable, for your question. And um, I I think, like, redesigning the Switch box is not th- something that I really care too much about. If I was to say anything, I would say just make it smaller, right? Um, and uh, waste less plastic, essentially. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we are of course entering a more digital era as well so i'm sure boxes will soon be a thing of the past at some totally. point in time but um, yeah. our next email is from ryan who says hey mbz and bally video game movies have always been a point of contention among people the 1993 mario movie wasn't considered good and nintendo long after was reluctant to let other franchises break into the movie tv world on the other hand, Pokemon has been on the TV and movie space successfully for a long time. The Doom movie was fun, but I wouldn't say it was a cinematic masterpiece by any means. With a new Mario movie supposedly coming out next year and talks of a Zelda show that was scrapped, what video game franchise do you think deserves a spotlight on the big or small screen? I'd like to hear some realistic and crazy ideas. Maybe a Metroid uh, miniseries with a Mandalorian vibe that has, uh, 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 that has little bounty missions leading up to a big finale. Or what about a silent movie starring Cuba navigating an ever-changing landscape, slowly descending into madness as he thinks he escapes, only to be presented with a harder puzzle? Looking forward to what you think. Cheers, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Um, Yeah, it's always a tricky arena, video game movies and TV shows. But I think, like, in the last few years, there's definitely been an uptake in some... Yeah, in them being produced, but also actually having some good ones. Um, I mean, I liked the Detective Pikachu movie. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I had fun, and and I didn't think there was anything wrong with it necessarily. It's not going to win fucking Oscars, but it's it's a good, fun movie. Mm. Um, The Witcher TV show, I loved. Uh, Obviously, that's slightly different because it is based more on the... Right, the, the games were based on books in the first place, and so this is still based on the books, even though it takes, I think, a lot aesthetically from the games. Like, Henry Cavill's look for Geralt is like, eh, similar enough to what they have in the games. Oh, very it similar. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, the kind of armor and, and the world and that kind of vibe. But I, yeah, I don't know if I would 100% count that one just because it is its origins are in literature and not in video games castlevania um, animated series yeah so you love that i've i've watched the first two seasons of that i definitely need to catch up on it but um i i enjoyed that as well and i think it's for me when it comes down to it for, especially for nintendo franchises i think animated is the way to go a lot of the time um and i think castlevania has proved that of like they've done a really good job with an animated version of this and i think partly is because like budget wise it would be quite hard to do a really high budget castlevania show right whereas mm. with animation you can kind of get away with it because you can draw whatever right and can you have these huge like amazing landscapes and giant castles and explosions and things going on but it's all animated right so it's within the realm of whatever budget you have yeah um versus doing it full-blown i do think degree. also we are now like i think last of us hbo series is going to be very interesting where yeah um 
you know, NBA European or Masters is like, hey, this could have just been a TV show. It doesn't have to yeah. be a game. So, like, now we're going to put that to the test. Totally. <laughs> and, and Pedro see. Pascal, man, as Joel. As, yeah, uh, like, crazy great cast they've got so far. Obviously, the material is strong. Um, so, I'm really interested to see how that goes and whether... Uh, my understanding is they're sticking to the main story, but they're going to do extra stuff, was my impression. It's not It's not yeah. one for one as such, but it's one for one with extra side quests as it were um yeah and then uh, this has been rumored since i swear the game came out but is now supposedly confirmed and is going into production fairly soon as a halo series and yeah that's been a while cooking i think which is that thing's been rumored for such a long time so i'm interested to see how that does i have a lot more faith in the last of us show than the halo show but um totally but we'll see uh yeah i mean but on the other side right there's been the live action movies of like fastbender and assassin's creed and i don't think oh, that went yeah. very well i haven't seen it but i've heard bad things and uh is it jake gyllenhaal and prince of persia i mean that was a longer time ago the prince of persia one i'm thinking like a bit more recent like right. alicia vikander with the reboot for tomb raider like the games were rebooted they kind of rebooted the movies um and that was like fine uh i, I kind of got bored uh you know about halfway through that film and i think they're doing another one of those it was successful enough um but yeah like these these movies that try to do something with it that is a little bit further away from the games um and i don't know trying to stick to it it's it's weird and it's hard sometimes because what makes a lot of these games special is not necessarily the story like those tomb raider reboots are fantastic action adventure games i can't tell you the name of a character who isn't lara croft in them right yeah. they they're not built on that type of yeah. narrative it, it um, feels like sometimes companies just think they they prescribe what we as the fans think are valuable about those experiences sure last of us yeah. the value is a lot in the story and the characters mm-hmm. and that could potentially translate really well but as you say games where it's a lot more based on the gameplay the puzzles like a tomb raider it does feel weird when you know they come some big corporations like yeah we will make a tomb raider film and it will be successful because people love tomb raider it's like well yeah you've misunderstood why people like tomb raider in that sense right or like with the animus with assassin's creed like they had to make this absurd machine that like lifts him in the air and he's like moving as he does things in the past and it's like in assassin's creed they just like lie on a bed or some shit and then their (laughs) mind is but like for a movie they like have to make it more cinematic and like tie it and so it kind of creates these issues Um, i I'm really nervous about the Mario film. I think, like, he is such an iconic character, and I know that isn't it like the Lego Movie team working on it or something? Which no, is... it's 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 um, Illumination who worked on Despicable oh, right. Me and those those yeah. films. Yeah. So, I mean, those are fine films, but like, I'm really skeptical about the vibe of that film and how it's all going to work, and it is crazy yeah i mean like with mario himself it has to be silent comedy to some degree right because he's never been a talking character and obviously there are characters who talk around him it was funny actually in paper mario when we played that luigi has a lot of dialogue in that game right like luigi actually talks mario never talks ever um and and there are characters who do talk in the mario universe but he's always the front man who is you know the silent protagonist and i i don't I can't really think of a movie where one character is silent because it's such a common thing in video games. Like it is so, we are so used to it in our space, but I can't think of a way that's ever been done in a film successfully. Charles Martinet has sort of said, yeah, I've not been approached about the Mario film. So that maybe does imply 
he could be completely silent. That, that could go one of two ways. Either they've recast him as some voice actor who's going to give him a ton of lines, mm-hmm. or he's going to be completely silent. Or yeah, they're going to reuse like <laughs> lines from Mario Odyssey or something in, in the film. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, which sure. I think would be unusual. But yeah, I, I'm nervous about that, but we'll see. Um, what do you think for other perhaps Nintendo franchises that could work? Yeah, so I uh, kind of going along with the animated show vibe. I've got an animated uh, th- one as well. I think that Animal Crossing would make an amazing kids show. And I think you could do it in a way where it's you know there's a whole animal crossing film in japan yeah there is i think there was an anime as well at some point they've Mm. definitely done stuff. japan tends to do a lot of this stuff like there was the phoenix wright live oh god i watched that it's great actually one of my favorite video game adaptations is the phoenix wright um live action adaptation (laughs) and now you've played the first game bali i would recommend you watch that um, because it's based on the first game and all the um uh cases in that first game um, but yeah, it's that was never left Japan really, and you have to kind of watch it with subtitles and everything. Um, uh, but Animal Crossing as a kids show, I think, works really well because, first of all, like it's a cute, colorful environment that that kids kind of get down with. But also, you have ways to to do those like, you know, how kids shows do those teachable moments of like, this is we are all friends, and this is how you take care of people, and yeah. this is how we take care of nature. We uh, here are plants we wash them every day and stuff like that that type of vibe i feel like wash, works wash plants yeah we wash we wash our plants <laughs> we, you know you dig them up from the soil put them under the sink <laughs> give them a good give them a good rub get put some them soap on them wash them put them back in um uh was it water, water. Plants, there we go <laughs> Uh, apologies yes uh, i'm trying to, so this is what happened um you know when when i was drunk once it's like oh yeah my phone i accidentally <laughs> dropped in the urinal let's wash my phone that's a really good idea um r.i.p that phone that phone is oh uh yeah God. died died very soon after that um but yes you know what you know what i'm getting at it's like hey we've got to teach kids the important things in life um and i think animal crossing has the bandwidth to do that because there are so many like little um moments in it of you have to do the you have to like help build places and you have to like you know get on with people and uh, that type of thing like very basic like hey we're learning about being a, a human child you know um i think that could work re- really well like isabel is a perfect uh you know host slash presenter style yeah, uh, yeah. for that type of thing you know what i mean um so i think that would work perfectly i want my kids to watch that you know that yeah 100 percent educate them yeah exactly um, um which is not kind of the same vein of what we're talking here which is more entertainment but i think animal crossing doesn't doesn't fit that vibe it much more fits this kind of educational edutainment let's say for kids in a way um, right right i so I've, I've gone for animated as well and this is probably definitely more anime uh-huh. i know a ton about anime but um i want an advance wars anime uh, oh based... yeah actually you know what the vibe fits it based on the three on the characters from the first three games i just think that'd be awesome yeah i think fire emblem and advance wars both lend themselves to anime um, yes in in a good way uh i think yeah those i don't know what the characters look like in the kind of darker like um games on ds was it like it was it was just days of one ruin game uh dark conflict i don't know if yeah. that's the us or british name but um yeah i i never played that game so it's one i need to get to again but yeah. I would prefer it with the more cartoony, light-hearted um, yeah. characters from the first three games. Uh, yeah, I would imagine that as a more kind of bouncy, fun anime versus the kind of 
the Fire Emblem could lean much more into the dark, gritty style of anime. Yeah, um, they, yeah. they both work for that for sure. But the whole kind of like military thing, I swear, there's already been animes based in like that kind of like military cartoon well you know that japan loves school kids and high schools and stuff like that i could see them adapting it to be like they all go to a military high school because like andy yes. looks like a 12 year old military let's be frank. high school um yes. valkyria Such chronicles kind of has that vibe as well i think yeah. the second valkyria chronicles game is actually based in a high school the psp one right. which i haven't played yet um but that definitely is a it's a thing that i could see working <laughs> for this series for sure um cool. could work quite well uh i also wrote down pikmin nature documentary yes. now i'm not sure how you do that but i think like miyamoto made those like short films with pikmin which were fun I, I think they were pretty neat they were more kind of like mini skit like silent films i've not watched them yet have you uh, yeah they're all on youtube i watched yeah. them a while ago um because you did have to buy them initially and i know they were like buy them on the 3ds for some outrageous price yes yeah it was really expensive um but they eventually i think put them all up for free on youtube um so you know so, uh, jokes on you for buying on your wii u or whatever it was available <laughs> on at the time um so but i think you could do a like david attenborough style documentary but with the pikmin as like again maybe more of a kids show type thing if you're gonna do a kids kind of nature show you could have the pikmin pop up in in places and like you know you the kids have to spot where they are on the screen and that type of thing while also teaching them about the world and the environment and and the natural kind of the state of so are you um, superimposing pikmin into the real world yeah i think so I, I think that's kind of how it would work i think that's cool yeah because it would actually teach them right i like that yeah educational sure. today mbz yeah i don't know why i feel like i think the animal crossing thing of nature was like oh that triggered a thing in my brain of like oh pikmin as well could both work for this um but outside of that if we're just talking about pure entertainment um i mean blizzard have already done such an amazing job with those overwatch shorts but a full overwatch animated film oh i would be so down for that like that i think really that cool. that would nail exactly it would maybe i would put good money on that happening in the next five years i totally would yeah. yeah and like their animation studios are so talented like every time they do even the, their world of warcraft ones i've watched before and it's like man they do such a good job of like short form storytelling within these little like kind of um bite-sized kind of mini movies as it were mini mm. short films um and i don't know if that translates necessarily to a full-blown thing i know they're doing a lot more of that story stuff for the second game when overwatch 2 comes out but if they were to do like an origin story thing for like how overwatch started they, they got the crew mm. together all that type of stuff i think man an animated film would be ah oh, so good and i definitely think it's realistic all that lore exists and i believe there's like a comic book series because i've like there is yeah i went down a deep youtube hole of like overwatch lore and how the whole world formed and all these things and and why the world is the way it is and like united nations and all this stuff and it's actually the kind of topic that would stuff that would work really well in a full-blown film like yes, genuinely for sure. i think it's a great 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 shout it, and those shorts i think work for an older and younger audience generally as well like they yeah. make them in such a way that they are kind of accessible to everybody um, yeah. which is which is great um any others you have bali i've got a couple more i would like a full-blown puppet show for star okay. fox just like E3. oh yes like thunderbirds literally yes. go back to the inspiration of it yes yes um totally and you know if star fox can't come out with games then why not turn them into a 
puppet show you know like i just i mean they they made those uh those uh uh, models right for that e3 um yeah they're right they're sitting there ready to go yeah uh god that would be so cool i mean i i always thought about like what if they actually took a full-blown thunderbird style puppet style for a game like that would look incredible if they were able to do (laughs) that um but obviously that would probably have an incredibly high budget and nintendo doesn't seem like people to put money behind star fox right now fortunately i think that whole like toy stitched look i think um game that we played recently like it takes two did that quite well like yeah it it wasn't far off something similar to that so i think it's totally doable um just maybe not quite ready for nintendo hardware i don't know yeah that makes sense um I, i would love to see that um another recent game uh that you know i think has a lot of buzz and would do quite well as a kind of serialized drama um is hades i think if you have the house of hades and all the characters uh they are so strong in the game but i think you could do a really good like family drama right uh in hell also animated because i think i don't know that hades would work without that right like it kind of does need to be animated to do so hades Um, is that animated style like it's very much a intrinsic to the nature of those characters i think yeah for sure and um and i think even without the uh the gameplay stuff of like zagreus trying to escape i think you can have that tension between him and hades and yeah i think it would be just a really interesting uh adaptation and i, I i'm kind of surprised honestly that they haven't announced that they have one in the works because i feel like that's gonna happen any day frankly um uh, super giant have been very successful with that game so that would be really cool um and then uh if we're gonna go for like real show like with live action i think red dead redemption is actually a good shout because we've had obviously westworld be quite successful in recent times and that is this blend of like modern stuff with western stuff but i I wonder Mm. how a straight ahead western show would would go down these days and i don't know that there's that many i would be interested i'd I'd worry there's not enough of a twist but yeah um could be wrong because because like red dead is such a pastiche of all those things yeah. that came before it right yeah um i think yeah definitely i think there's a ton of sony properties a bit like last of us that could be shoehorned in fairly well obviously we didn't mention there's the um uncharted film coming as well oh which, right with tom holland yeah, yeah which i'm yeah. also a little skeptical about i don't know i yeah. feel more comfortable mm. about last of us um like i think the uncharted games are good i just as a story they're not and I'm currently playing Uncharted 4, which I think story-wise is a huge step up from the other three. Yeah. But um, yeah. I'm a little skeptical that like random American guy wants to go find treasure is a story that works in 2021, but we'll see what they, they do with that. I mean, totally, right? Because the, the thing is, Indiana Jones is the inspiration for these video games. And so this video game coming out in a post kind of like, yeah. I guess in some sense, it's like Indiana Jones is as burned and fallen to the ground with that fourth entry and they're going to right, do another right. one but uh, you know maybe the, maybe the world is ready i don't know i just don't think random american person wanting treasure is believable or compelling or you know and sure the yeah. adventure could be great and the action will be great i'm sure but i'm just like he's just doing this for treasure like or like you know i just don't i don't fully buy it what's the motivation there right like you gotta you gotta kind of build it out and i think that's kind of probably what they'll do to some degree but we'll yeah we'll see the sony one i would want to see and this is one of my favorite sony stories is horizon zero dawn and i think that like all the sci-fi stuff around that um that would cost a lot of fucking money to make (laughs) yeah we're doing big 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 yeah. budget but i think um, that probably adapts better to a movie potentially if we're gonna go with budget you know oh yeah i should say i should have said i, I mean like movie but um yes yeah huge big budget but um you know i think 
the last decade sci-fi has been quite popular for sci-fi based movies um and yeah. i think it would do quite well and i think yeah. is one of sony's stronger stories honestly what do you think about a zelda show do you think it's viable do you think it'll happen <laughs> do you want it even no again yeah. it's like why is zelda popular no one's like zelda's popular because of its characters and story it's like it's, no one's saying that no one's making i mean that zelda it has like a big following for its lore i would say right like that's kind of the thing that people love about it it's like oh, how do we I, yeah. connect all these games and that true type of stuff, but it's but, so i'm sorry but like it is very falsely stitched together whether we like it or not like yeah of course it is a hundred percent it is is it is stitched together falsely but that's kind of the fun thing about it right in, in a lot of yeah. ways and like... to be fair um i can't remember who the writer was for horizon zero dawn but i remember um he was given the blueprint of like look we've got this character we've got these big mechanical dinosaurs in this real world you now need to build lore that justifies this. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and they exactly. started with the look and then went backwards from there, which is yeah. very interesting. Um, it is and, a very Western kind of design philosophy versus yeah. Nintendo, who are like, okay, so before Splatoon was Splatoon, they were all like fucking tofu blocks or whatever, right? <laughs> like, they don't give a shit. They're like, yeah. he's just fun to play, first of all, right? So, right. Yeah. So um, I'm not saying randomly stitched together stories uh can't still be amazing or you look like yeah. a film a film like rogue one look i fucking love the zelda lore and the bullshit of people making up links between it. i just find it fun yeah but, um, it's fun i i do enjoy it don't get me wrong um yeah. but yeah we'll we'll see i'm we've got so many things in the in the pipeline um so i guess we shall see yeah we shall um cool. But that's all we've got time for emails on this show. But as I said at the top of the segment, we need more emails. So please send them to thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That is thisnintendolife at gmail.com. Or leave us a comment or a post in our channel on Discord. Link to that in the description. We'd hugely appreciate it. But catch us again in the third segment when we're going to be talking about some of Nintendo's financials and the little weird game that they've just announced. We will be right back. everyone welcome back to the third and final part of today's show uh, we're talking about a little bit of things here and there we've got a bit of newsy stuff uh new game and things like that nintendo have announced uh but mainly talking about money boy we're talking about fucking capitalism we're talking about making dollar uh because that's what nintendo have been doing we have their results for their past fiscal year um you know which has been rather successful let's say uh in the grand scheme of things i think video games is one of those industries uh you know in this pandemic where things have gone terrible for so many different types of 
work uh video games are booming uh they're doing well uh, everyone is at home playing video games and that's why nintendo have posted a very high uh profit margin um and um, a lot of sales going down i think the big number to focus on valley is hardware wise the nintendo switch we are currently at 84.59 million units uh and the switch came out march of 2017 so we are in the fourth year of the system's life cycle um and this is where we are and it's now tracking faster for four, the equivalent four years of the playstation 4 and the wii yes uh it is just going bananas bonkers and this is one of those things where you look at where they were before and where they are now and it's just like you never count nintendo out right like you can you can say they make bad decisions which they often do and still to this day continue to make uh but when it comes down to it you know when they fire they fucking fire hard uh and that's what the switch is is doing right now the big question valley is is um it's not really a question anymore. They will hit 100 million units. And I think that's pretty safe to say within this next fiscal year, it, they will pass the 100 million mark, which will put them in the range of the Game Boy. Um, and uh, the PS4, I think, is slightly above that now at like 115, 120 or so. Um, but I I kind of wonder, actually, and this is interesting of like where games are at now and where society is at with them, of there is a degree to which more and more people are buying game systems more and more people are getting into the hobby from a young age mm. and it's just become a more mainstream thing do we just see console numbers grow and grow and grow from this point because already the ps5 is off to a ridiculous start and people can can't even find them there's definitely an inflation of the market um, there's just more people buying and playing video games out there um and obviously populations are increasing that's obviously a factor um but yeah, I think it's also important to note, and I'd be interested if you know the answer to this question, is that the, the Switch hasn't had any price reduction yet. No, it has not. Do we know how long it took before Sony reduced the price of the PlayStation 4? So I bought a PS4 Slim in 2016, um, which was, say, a couple of years, like three years or so removed from the launch of those systems. Um, and that was a much cheaper model Uh, and that was you know before that was earlier in the life cycle than the switch is right now Um, we got to remember nintendo tend to not drop prices like the only significant one i can remember is 3ds where they were screwed so hard they did Mm. such a dramatic price drop so early um, because they were bleeding money basically Uh, but the wii u never got an official price drop in its entire life uh and you know you could argue maybe that would have helped maybe it w- i don't think it would have frankly but um i don't i think the real thing to look at right is the switch hasn't got a price drop but what it does have is the switch Lite, right and i believe 14 million of those 84 are in fact switch lights 69 something are m- regular switches so a decent chunk of the market is the switch Lite, which is the cheaper model obviously it doesn't have the tv output but there are a lot of people still going out there and buying that particular one probably for their kids and, and things like that and so it, it calls into question right <clears throat> because we have the family the quote family of systems that nintendo likes to use always so often with their handheld devices uh a new switch pro i think you know we've had reports from bloomberg that it's pretty much confirmed is happening and likely will get announced this year and probably released this year at some point mm. in time these are you always going to boost them even higher it's all going to boost them even higher obviously chip shortages is a factor that plays here that is 
is continuing to ravage every tech um, industry just completely. Uh, you know, my computer, the PS5, Switches, even to some degree, are being sold out and impossible to find because of chip shortages. Um, and, and a brand new system that gets released this year from Nintendo that is a iteration, a more powerful version of the Switch... I don't know, that's going to be hard to find as well, I think, because people are kind of thirsting for it at this point. You know, as, as someone who has a launch day model of the Switch, uh, and this screen slightly scratched, thanks Mario Maker 2, uh, I'm kind of looking like, yeah, I do want a new one of these. I want something that's a bit beefier. Um, yeah, my fan sounds a bit rickety-rackety occasionally. I was going to talk about that. My, I think it's the last, like, six months or a year, maybe. Um, my Yeah, definitely. Last six months, totally. Yeah, my fan starts to make noise when I play handheld, and I'm like, mm, can you be quiet, fan? This sounds bad. It, it makes noise when I first boot it up out of sleep mode, handheld. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then randomly mid-game later, it might do it. And If yeah, it's, if like, I'm an not... intense portion of gameplay, it might yeah, just wrap up. Yeah, I'm not wearing yeah. headphones or something. I really hear it. Sure. mine uh, mine kind of just has a constant thing going and it's not it's not good i don't like it so I, I do feel like um as here's the thing with this piece of hardware it's a amazing design for a piece of hardware i think the hardware itself is shoddy and, and that's not, not to not durable in comparison to game boys game boy advance 3ds yeah not durable um i think definitely the fans have issues the joy cons obviously are a fucking disaster like it it is the weakest um quality from a durability standpoint hardware nintendo has ever made while also being the highest quality from a consumer electronics standpoint mm. that nintendo mm. have ever made which is like, like a weird thing when we booted up breath of the wild for the first time handheld it was like my god this is a high quality product right here totally yeah uh, and and it was the I, I was i have my video of me unboxing it for the first time and i was like holy shit this thing is sleek as fuck man it's like whoa it's just so nice and shiny and um just looks great and yeah it's uh it's gonna continue to do well it, here's a question about it's been posed by a few people how how well does this do life cycle right like if we think about its lifetime ending let's give it generous and say eight years right so let's say we're halfway through the life cycle right now they put out a new model to refresh it kind of what sony and, and uh, xbox did with their iterations last gen um where where do we see this going obviously it passes 100 million but does it reach the golden kind of child of the ds does it pass the ps2 at that kind of unreachable 150 million spot i think it's really within nintendo's control and what i mean by that is do they want to release a nintendo switch 2 while the nintendo switch is is hot or do they want to release nintendo switch 2 once the nintendo switch family is way past it like mm. i think there's a because the nintendo switch could come down in price you might even see price reduction on one of the the styles of units versus another not not soon but in years to come and by that point they'll probably be sitting on about 130 million and nintendo personally won't care if they beat the ds or the playstation 2 they just want to make more money so if they oh yeah if they think that's the right time to launch a nintendo switch 2 and obviously that f new family would start back at zero a bit like the playstation 5 now um then sure i don't think the switch will catch the those top two um and i think this more plays into do we think video game console life cycles are getting longer or shorter and i would probably veer more with shorter potentially um and i think that that could be the number one thing that holds it back from reaching the echelons of ps2 and nintendo ds probably it's it's interesting because i think 
life cycles have gotten longer over the past couple of generations, right? Like, everyone was like, oh boy, the PS3 era has gone on for so long. And yet, the PS4 era kind of went on for the same amount of time, but it felt like less time, if you know what I mean, right? Like, it it, it definitely was... It took so long for the big games to come out, it also makes it feel shorter. Like, sure, 2016 yeah. was like when PS4 probably you know, made its mark. Yeah, and, and so I... I, I feel like maybe this is just a case of we're old now and so time feels like it's disappearing faster or something like that. But um, I, I mean, when I was younger, it felt like the PS3 and the Wii generation was around for years and years and years, whereas PS4... Um, it felt like our entire school career, more or less. Exactly. Right? That's exactly what it was. And right. then that's because you like take, do so much growing up in that period of time and like it feels like a long period of time versus when ps4 came out and now ps4 is done i feel like that was like a couple of years ago but really it wasn't and i'm like oh jesus okay time has just kind of flashed before my eyes so i don't know if, if it's just where i am in my life versus you know how these cycles go but i have seen that sentiment quite a lot of, of how long things last for um and it's, it's crazy that we're already like four in the fourth year of switch right it feels like not that long ago that the system launched um so yeah it's been very successful for them and um i I think we're probably going to hit around the 130 million mark. I don't think we'll quite make it to the 150. Um, there's definitely going to be a juice that they get from a Switch Pro model. Yeah. Um, but I, again, I'm so skeptical about Nintendo and hardware when it comes to pushing the envelope. You know, yeah. I, I would expect less rather than more in terms of a power boost that this is actually going to give people. I, I would like I do think the Switch Pro is going to elongate the Nintendo Switch family for sure like but yes in three years time when we're sitting there with our three-year-old Switch Nintendo Switch Pro that thing is potentially going to feel so dated and the frame rates are going to feel so you know slow in comparison i mean it's gonna feel dated it already feels dated right now right like it, it does. already does, it does. and it, it felt dated when it launched right because fundamentally it's still building on architecture of like an era from 2006 right like the ps3 is about comparable power wise to a switch maybe the switch is slightly more who knows but um we're kind of <laughs> we're using a piece of hardware that has graphics technology from around that period of time um mm. which is a little wild when you think about it uh, but that's just the way nintendo have run their business and it yeah. has clearly been wildly successful and, and people don't actually care that much in the in the mainstream yeah if if the success continues they will keep trucking on if there is that dip and people are just like i'm done with you know old feeling old games <laughs> old old systems yes. but I, I don't think this is the opinion of people i think people most people don't care, give two hoots about the power of their system necessarily. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, as I say, if there is a significant dip, Nintendo will have the Switch 2 ready to go production-wise very much sooner than I think we, we might be anticipating, just depending on the market. Yeah. And I think like, so this is a, an interesting thing that's happened as a result of one of my Animal Crossing videos blowing up and getting like 300,000 views, is I get loads of comments on that video from random people who I imagine are very, very casual people who are like, oh, I couldn't afford a Switch, so I've, I've been playing Wild World, you know, and people who still play 3DS and people who are like, um, you know, I've gone back and got New Leaf and, and that's what I'm playing right now. And, it, and especially in markets where, you know, places like Brazil and, and stuff like that, where they're 
it's so fucking expensive to get new stuff the ps2 mm. was like such a success in that country for so long um and you know the, uh, opening and developing markets you know that are starting to get more into consoles and, and stuff like that and i feel like there are so many just people that you we just don't think about around the world who are not on the current console generation they're just playing games with whatever they have um and they don't really care about that right graphics yeah. and all that stuff doesn't really matter they're just enjoying playing whatever games they're playing um and i think that's a, a much bigger portion of the market than we kind of give yeah. credit for well there's um, like so. what about a price drop in china and all of a sudden it bounces by 20 30 million overnight yeah not, not overnight yeah. that's an exaggeration but like you know, there are so many market factors that um, when people look at the be- best-selling games consoles of all time, it's not it's not a fair list in the way that you think it is. Um, and there's so many factors that come into play with the pricing. I mean, the reason the PS2 is at 150 million is because it has a fucking DVD player or it had a DVD player in it. Right. It's not because it had a stellar lineup, which I, I mean, I think it did have a good it lineup. It did, yeah, for sure. But it's like... The success of Microsoft and Sony are almost entirely dictated by, like, their third-party output. Like, when we think about first-party output, it's a huge driver for Nintendo, but for these other systems, it's a much smaller factor. For sure. And it's I think Sony are trying to make it bigger uh, as a part of their, like, promise to people. Last of, like, of Us why remake you buy. and yeah. Last of Us HBO and more. Yeah. yeah, right. Totally. But you're right of like Call of Duty and Fortnite carry those consoles more so than any other video game, right? Like GTA 5 and Minecraft, Call of Duty and, and, and all those games, those are the real reasons people are buying a console, right? Yes. Um, and that's just regular people <laughs> are going out and playing the games that are big and popular and um, you know, if that's the case. Uh, and with Nintendo, it's not so much. I mean, Fortnite probably has helped the Switch quite a significant amount, right? Like, Minecraft and Fortnite have actually probably done a much bigger job than we give credit for in terms of the number mm. of Switches sold. Because totally. you think about kids at school, what do they talk about? What are they playing with their friends? You know, if you can play on a console and you can get a Switch to do it, and there's cross-play between all these, these games like Fortnite and Minecraft, you know, that's fine for them, and, and they will want that. If you're, if you're a kid at school... And you, you've got the p- choice between um, a, a system that plays um, Uncharted 4 and Fortnite uh-huh. or a system that plays Animal Crossing and Fortnite. You're going to yeah. go to the Animal Crossing one every day. Absolutely. Like, it's just yeah. a much better proposition. Totally, totally. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's definitely... I do think so much of this success, definitely driven by Nintendo's first party, but I don't think we can count out the... Obviously, I don't think indies have that much of a big impact in terms of like the millions and millions of Switches sold. In these like really grand numbers, I agree. I don't think it's a yes. huge num- impact. But they don't. Right. But I th- but I think they have a real good grounding to keep people. And I think the software sales is definitely much higher as a result of these oh, indies yeah. Yeah. being successful. You know, stuff like yeah. Stardew, just like millions of copies being sold of Stardew, and that's that's awesome to see. Um, but. But yeah, um, overall, uh, it's it's not surprising, I think, given what we saw about Animal Crossing. Um, kind of the software lineup has also uh, been uh, shown off in terms of how much sales have happened there. And I believe uh, Mario Kart still has the throne with 35 mil. Um, and, uh, you know, I, Animal Crossing right there in second place in a year, in one year, <laughs> uh, come right up behind Mario Kart. Will it get the... Uh, uh, what do you call it when you go behind someone in Mario Kart? The drift boost Slipstream. Thing? Slipstream. Can it get the slipstream, slipstream. and boost past? Uh, or will it get the blue shell and fucking knock it out? You know, who knows? Uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see if Nintendo wants to make Mario Kart 9. Um, 
but yeah uh yeah big big sales breath of the wild 2 gonna bullet bill right up the pack later uh, well, there we go <laughs> later yeah, absolutely <laughs> we just fucking this entire show just mario kart puns that's all we do that's all we do um okay uh yeah so the other thing that nintendo had uh, a little bit of announcement for is a product a uh, tool is that a game? I'm not sure if I can call it a game. It's kind of like their version of Dreams. It's a weird um, Nintendo thing. It's in the it's same category thing. as Labo, for sure. Yeah, it's, it definitely is in the mold of Labo. Um, there is, I believe, one of the Labo sets allowed you to do, like, minor programming things. Do you remember that thing with, like, Jimmy Kimmel and Ariana Grande where they made a song on the Labo or something? Um, there was a big video with that. Oh, I missed uh, that one. Yeah, uh, but they there was... I, I saw on Twitter, I think John from Nintendo Life tweeted a thing of someone who had built like a shrine from breath of the wild with that character in one of the labo things um and yeah i think that that is where this idea began uh, we should say the name of the game game builder garage garage Gar- i always say garage i don't know why it's probably so american it's ridiculous garage uh garage yeah game builder garage garage whatever you want to say garage um i, th- I think um this is definitely a much more refined and simplified and also kind of built out as a tool to teach people game design um which i think nintendo have been interested in for a while now right when you think about what mario maker did um and they even put that weird little dungeon thing in Link's awakening as kind of light as that was Mm. and obviously labo stuff was starting to get people to do programming of music and and those types of things as well you had warrior diy back in the day so it's a thing they've been curious about um for a long time but this seems like a much more fully fledged almost dreams-esque piece of software um that looks like it has a lot of scope for it they they certainly show the beginning of the trailer they showed has much more simple stuff but then at the end they show a kind of montage of all the different Mm. things that they've made um and nothing looks like amazing like something you could make in dreams but it definitely has a variety and a kind of scope that i didn't necessarily expect from this so that's it's really cool to see and um yeah and i and i wonder and i wonder how it does um any thoughts on this ballet yeah, it's really cool. We've said it before that, like, with stuff like Ring Fit Plus and Ring Fit Plus, that Ring Fit, Ring Fit Adventure. Adventure. Yeah, yeah, Ring Fit Adventure and, you know, Labo. Like, Nintendo still like doing weird stuff. And I'm convinced it is because of the massive success of the Wii. And they are convinced that if they just keep throwing weird stuff at the wall year on year, occasionally stuff sticks. And, you know, Ring Fit adventure has sold incredibly well so it's over 10 million now right it's it's done super well labo i don't think did particularly well um but you know it had its own audience its own market and i'm not convinced this is necessarily going to do incredibly well but again it has the potential where it could become a viral hit you never know like in a world of tiktok this is the kind of thing that could suddenly take off for god knows whatever reason you know yeah um so i think it's really cool it does look like a a kind of simplified version of dreams i think there's a, a large disparity between um the kind of simplistic things it's telling you how you can how the the software works versus the fairly i mean they are more simplified but fairly complicated games come the end i think there's going to be some very more complicated screens in between where you know if you want to program the games that you do see at the end it will be like fairly um, fully fledged stuff that you have to deal with in order to get yes. to go um, much more in we, depth. Were, we were having a good laugh that they'd kind of put eyes on all these things uh-huh, um, like and, here's here's your uh, stick your joy-con stick and uh... yeah here's a joy-con and then the, you just want the joy-con to have a speech bubble that says i'm a joy-con and i have joy-con drift and it's yeah. just 
it's just ridiculous that everything's got eyes all of a sudden uh, nintendo's just like making characters out of nothing basically right? yeah like they yeah. did that with labo as well and they they've done it in the past with um with the ring con i think in ring fit also does stuff right. like that and you know uh they love taking inanimate objects like the wii balance board and making it into a character uh that's yeah. uh well they it, love to it's do. really weird I'm, I'm skeptical how big it is the fact that it's coming out like 11th of june like it's a very quick turnaround obviously obviously they'll have been working on this for a while but mm-hmm. i'm interested to see how fully fledged it is that is it's just you know this weird new nintendo where they announce something that comes out a month later it's like this is very unusual for them so well i know. think it depends on the type of game right like something like this you don't need a build-up for if you think about the way they announced the mario kart thing it was like a month out from that coming out or something and um uh, and, and similar uh with some of the labo stuff they've done in the past uh even paper mario was a couple of months before it came out and um and yeah it's yeah when it's not a big blockbuster thing it's kind of more of a surprise this is a thing now and it's coming out soon i think that's kind of what nintendo like to do these days um with this type of announcement in particular mm. um, but yeah it's, it's it definitely it's cool. looks cool i i would like to check be? out <laughs> Yeah, I I feel like it might be a forty dollar thing potentially. Um, I'm not sure from Nintendo's perspective what they see as the value in this and whether they do like. And I think this is a thing more of these types of games need to do is just let people play the stuff, even if they don't want to make it. Like have a free download thing that is here's the library of stuff that people have have made. Just play whatever is available. Um, and I think Dreams badly needs it. Uh, they did it for... Um, so on 3DS, they released RPG Maker. RPG Maker is uh, primarily um, PC thing that you can buy on Steam and you can use it to make games. I believe To the Moon was made in RPG Maker. Um, and oh, really? and so it is a... Yeah, it's, it's a pretty uh, cool... like if you want to make a video game in an easy way that's a little bit easier than like all these software tools out there it's a it's an approachable uh thing but you can only kind of make one type of game which in in it which is like a top-down pixel art rpg style game um and on 3ds rpg maker i believe had a free version you could download which was basically a portal through which you searched other people's games so if you bought the game you could make uh, your own and if you didn't then you could check out other people's ones and I, I don't know why this hasn't become a thing more widely because i do feel if you do that and give it to free for people to play there is a chance that people who actually play that will think oh maybe i want to make my own thing now and then go and buy the game but where we're at in the moment is like oh dreams i don't make stuff that's not what i do therefore i won't pay attention to it and i won't buy it and i think it just gives them a bit more of an avenue to widen the market for creation and for people to actually make their own stuff um mm. so i think that would be smart if they did that i doubt they will um but could be good um yeah, yeah. so so yeah uh i i continue to love weird nintendo existing and i, I don't know if this is that weird frankly because they have kind of they kind of paved the way for them to do this stuff and and it makes sense it's, you know it's weird on its own but it's it's very in line with what they've been doing recently yeah yeah within the context it definitely uh, makes more sense um and yeah definitely interested to see what people think about it and uh, and check it out at some point um but yeah that's uh it's kind of going to do us here for the show today um and uh, and that's going to be it so we are coming up to e3 bally soon ish um they had nintendo haven't really announced what they are going to do normally we know by now 
we usually do usually there's a video of uh reggie doing like a fitness regimen or whatever with like dumbbells and uh nonsense like that that's the most hype thing like a month out from e3 and then nintendo drop a little video of of reggie getting ready it's like yes here we go (laughs) totally um which you know it's it's one of those things that with the digital nature of e3 this year and what's going on they're obviously not going to do something like that but i imagine that they will say hey this is when our thing will be this is when our announcements will happen uh and yeah it's it's definitely gonna i think you know given the comments they've made of like how much they want to sell for the next fiscal year software wise uh furikawa has made comments to the like of yes with a strong software lineup which makes me think that they are gonna have some bangers hopefully to talk about um and and maybe they lift the curtain to some degree that they weren't able to last year because covid just waylaid a bunch of projects that may have come out earlier or may have been announced earlier um so we'll uh, obviously be covering that and we have to kind of work out what we're going to do for it probably will be similar to what we've done in the past um, where after nintendo do their thing we'll do a show and, and that type of stuff but we haven't really discussed it yet and um you know nintendo need to announce uh, what they're actually doing first so right so it's it's in their court um but yes yeah, just wanted to flag that as a thing that is happening soon um on on uh, the internet um bali People can find us all over the place on Twitter uh, and, uh, and and the like. Uh, they can find us at TNL Podcast if they want to follow us on po- uh, the podcast Twitter where we do announcements and stuff. Uh, they can find me at LordNBZ. Where can they find you? Find me on Twitter at Ballyman91. That's B-A-L-L-Y-M-A-N-9-1. Lovely stuff. Um, you can, of course, support the show. Uh, if you go head over to patreon.com slash this Nintendo Life, uh, you get bonus episodes where we talk about video games that are not on nintendo um which basically means bali talks about halo and i talk about yakuza uh, it's essentially uh, what that show is so if that sounds good to you uh, head on over and for a dollar you can get uh, that bonus show uh, bali we'd like to thank some of our patrons yes thank you to our ten dollar tier patrons they are zach s atari alex thomas matthew and my fiance caroline thank you so much all for your support but yes thank you to all of our other patrons for your support it's hugely appreciated had a little bump in patrons recently which is always nice to see so hope yeah. you're enjoying that extra extra show we've got with this non-tendo life yeah absolutely um of course uh, you can find us in various places across the internet we're on uh, itunes we're on spotify we're on stitcher search this nintendo life in your podcasting app of choice and we should pop up you can subscribe to us you can review us um and that would be really nice as well uh, give us some star ratings write us a little review uh, that would be appreciated and i think that is pretty much it we uh maybe want to give a final plug here for some emails bally because uh, of course the well is running dry uh, where can people send those into please email this nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life at gmail.com we would hugely appreciate um the well to be full of water yes <laughs> uh by which we mean your words your words flow like rivers unto our souls um can you tell I was an English uh, major? Why am I saying major? This is the thing about it. I'm just fucking an American at this point. I don't talk in, in English terms anymore. I'm, I'm just, uh, I've assimilated myself into the, into the American way of speaking. Um, Wait, yeah, a major? What are ways. you talking about, major? A major, yeah, you know, uh, that thing that you do uh, when you go to college. Oh, right, uh, a major, yeah, right. I'm like, yeah. what are you talking just about? Just went completely over your head, Balazs. This is how much <laughs> I've assimilated that you just don't know what the fuck I'm going on about anymore. We're meant to be um, a British 
podcast. Yes, we British. are. We're de- I definitely, I, I is from the UK. All right, mate, this is me. <laughs> I'm here. Having a well good laugh. Uh, went and voted for London Mayor. That's a thing you do in the London UK. Mayor. There you go. Um, fantastic. Well, that is going to close us out for the show. Thank you, everybody, for listening, for sticking around with us and our nonsense as we talk about video games and things and people and stuff. Uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks' time with some more podcasting. Until then, thanks for listening. See you very soon. Bye-bye, folks. interludes used on today's show were florio national park day from new pokemon snap copyright nintendo 2021 and say no more from say no more copyright studio fizzbin 2021